1: Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today's show is Got Inspiration? How a Dolphin's Kiss is Changing the World. Yes, that's meant to sound somewhat mysterious, because dolphins are actually somewhat mysterious and mystical. And I thought uh, after last week's show about terrorism and uh, some other heavy topics that we talk about on my show, trying to get you to wake up and do something about um, what's happening in the world, it's important to also not just hear about the bad and scary, but to hear about the good and uplifting. And, uh, for example, in the news these days we've been hearing a lot about bridges falling down, the bridge in Minneapolis and bridges that are in danger all over the country, of course. You know, now uh, all bridges are being checked out, which is a good thing, but uh, people all over the country are feeling worried about their bridges falling down. It isn't just the people in Minneapolis who were impacted by uh, the loss of loved ones or the fear for their loved ones being missing. It's really all of us and uh so I thought hearing about the bridges falling down, we needed something to lift us up, And we also need to think about um, the idea of, you know, of course, with this bridge now, there are a lot of people who will become frightened of crossing bridges in real life, you know even even outside of Minneapolis. But now, of course, a lot of people are thinking twice as they go over their bridge in their hometown. Um, wondering if you know how safe they are but more importantly uh, is the fear that a lot of us have about crossing bridges in our life not the kind that are made of steel but crossing bridges making transitions from one way that our life is going to another and it does take a lot of courage to cross these bridges and to leave something familiar behind, to explore something uh, exciting, perhaps uh, scary at first, but certainly that holds out a lot of promise and that can make our dreams can- come true. Well, today's guest is someone who has cr- done just that. He uh, left his life um, as a successful attorney, including being a special assistant attorney general, He was at the peak of his career, and he crossed a bridge to focus on an organization that he had founded called Dreams for Kids. And uh, as I like to put it, he stopped swimming with sharks to swim with dolphins. His name is Tom Toohey, and welcome to the show.
3: Thank you very much, Dr. Carroll.
2: Did you like that, swimming with sharks? I like it. I like it.
3: Suppress a laugh. (laughs)
4: No, don't don't suppress it.
2: It's
3: a great opener. (laughs) (laughs) And I found out for the first time that I'm I'm, uh, uh, following. um, I wasn't able to tune in last week, and I'm following the terrorists. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) I hope I could take a giant leap forward.
2: Yes, right. That's right. Well, before you say too much on that regard, in that regard, just know that I wrote a book called "Coping with Terrorism: Dreams Interrupted." <laughs> so,
3: um, in an uplifting
2: sense, it, yeah. uh, of course, that that is it. Actually, it's trying to uh, help people learn how to use this threat of terrorism to make positive changes in their life, just like what you have done. Is it not because of the threat of terrorism, obviously, but but to feel that the time is now <laughs> to not be putting these kinds of things off, but to feel that the time is now to follow one's dreams and to make the kinds of changes in one's life that really are helping the world. And that's certainly, you are the, the poster child for that. So before we get into... Um, the Dolphins' kiss. Maybe we could start out as um, as I was starting to tell you before we went on the air. This is Dr. Carroll's couch, after all, and I do tend to put people on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, yes, of course, I didn't tell you that when when uh, I asked if you wanted to be on the show. Um, but I'm just interested, and I'm sure the listeners are interested in knowing uh, before you made this leap across this bridge who you were how you got there i mean obviously someone with um a lot of a lot of drive and um uh ambition to get to where you did and, and what made you make those changes so if we could start back to um uh, when you were about 5 years old
3: <laughs> i am on the couch <laughs> <laughs> well when i was uh If we are are going back that that far, I love the way you put it, uh, that time is now. And and when you really, the way I try to live my life and and, and I've been more successful at it now than any time in my life is to understand that the only time is now. It's the only time that exists. It's the only time that we have. And so often we, we, we allow ourselves to live in the past or to fear the future because of our regrets of the past or fear of the future and there's a great quote in that respect that robs us of the present so i tried to do that in my life and i don't think i've been more successful than i am now and 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 the reason is i made that transition that you spoke of and and that transition was a long time in coming Uh, when i started uh... when i was younger and, and when i was well not five years old but eight years old uh... my father uh... had left our family and left my mother to uh, raise uh, her four children alone, so it was a very difficult time, and and I had dreams like other kids had dreams, and it, it was difficult to imagine at a certain point that any of those dreams would come true, and and as I struggled through school and 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 got to the point where I was able to not only go to college but to law school with my mother's encouragement and support, uh, but to become a lawyer, it was shortly after that time that my mother said, "It's time to to give back and to help out." other children who are looking for hope and looking for their dreams Hmm. and that's where dreams for kids came from on my on my mother's suggestion and her encouragement and really my desire to do just what she uh had suggested to me that was
4: 1989
2: Hmm. and how did you get the idea um i mean what at that time when you founded dreams for kids what was it how did you do it
3: Well, it it was uh, shortly before uh, a special holiday for us, which would have been uh, uh, Christmas, uh, and and it would have been uh, in October of 1989. had absolutely no idea what I was going to do. I woke up the next morning after my mother's suggestion and thought of the name Dreams for Kids. Hmm. And thankfully, it wasn't in this day and age where you would Google it and it would be taken. (laughs) Uh So uh, it was certainly available and we were able to trademark the name. And, and, uh, and all that legally was great. But what would we do? You know, what would we do to help out kids? And I had no idea. And um, at that uh, particular time, I, I was uh, dating a woman who, who called me and, and said that uh, a wonderful woman had come into an office where she worked. Her name was Clara Kirk. And she had just founded a shelter for homeless women and children. And maybe you could do something for her. So I called Clara. And, and she's about four foot six and you know, just an amazing woman, and from the Englewood neighborhood of Chicago, which is a desperately, desperately poor neighborhood, and at that point, one of the poorest in the United States. And so she said, If you want to know about Clara's house, then come out and see us. And I said, Well, when would you like me to come? She said, right now. Because hmm. if you're serious, you'll come now. And so I did. And uh, when, I, when I arrived, uh, uh, it was amazing. She had bought a rectory for a dollar and, 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 and had created an environment after she raised money to rehab the rectory, an environment for homeless women and children and battered women where they were given strict guidelines, uh, in order to help themselves, which really, really taught me what my mother always taught me, that when you reach out to others, that, uh, they have the obligation in turn to do what they can to help themselves, mm-hmm. or it doesn't work. So I saw all those rules on her wall, and I saw mm-hmm. that you know the amazing place she put together, and I said, "We'd love to." The holidays are coming up. You know, what if we came back and 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 the group of friends that that have created dreams for kids with me, we came back and had a party, and she said, "Fine, but call the day before because we'll probably have more kids." So we came back on Christmas Eve, and uh, there were fifty-four kids in the shelter. And we brought Santa Claus and gifts and food. And we had a wonderful party. And when we left, she said, thank you. And I said, well, that's the least we can do. And she says, no, you don't get it, do you? If you had not shown up, these kids would never have known it was Christmas. Mm. Because we don't have anything for them. And they have no home. And we wouldn't remind them of a very special day if we couldn't celebrate it with them. So from that day forward, that party grew because we knew there was a great need, and it became uh, well, the largest in Illinois where we brought 1,200 kids, and we still do, in one location that are homeless and underprivileged. And the United States Marines bring 3,000 toys, and we have three Santa Clauses hidden away and face painters and clowns and games. And it's an absolutely amazing day, and now it's going to be in 30 cities and 60 countries. Hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, six countries and 30 cities this year. Hmm. Well, that's our signature event, and that's where Dreams for Kids year after year began to grow uh, into uh, what it is today.
2: Wow, well, okay. And so then what did? You, where did you go from there after the party?
3: Well, after the party, from, uh, from one year to the next, we started to fund some small scholarship funds and was able to create a scholarship in honor of my mother, the Patricia Tui Scholarship Fund, hmm. and that was for single parents. Uh, who, uh, assistance in, uh, in, in educating their children and keeping them in school, uh, something that was near and dear to my mother. Uh, so we were able to fund that and to, to establish that. Uh, we would give quality of life grants to children who needed it, uh, the most in our community. And then midway through our history, uh, eight years into our existence, uh, met a young man by the name of J.J. J. O'Connor who was 15 years old and he had, uh, um, been playing hockey, and he tripped on an opponent's skates, flew through the air, and he hit the boards head first, and he never felt himself hit the ice and hasn't felt anything since. He's paralyzed from the neck down and a quadriplegic. And he had a great spirit and a great giving spirit uh... when we met him, and so we honored him in our golf outing because he was reaching out to others, even though in his situation his life had been devastated. And he introduced us to an entire world which I, myself personally, in our organization was not familiar, and that was the world of those that live with disabilities and how truly isolated they can be.
2: And and I think, um, because I know a break is coming soon, why don't we stop with J.J.'s story here, because that's when we're going to be... Um, there's more to that story. But but how, at that point, how many people um, were involved with Dreams for Kids?
3: Well, I'd say about eight to ten. Uh, so yeah.
2: friends of yours? Or yeah, people?
3: friends of mine. That, that's what my mother said. said, you, you know, you've got a great group of friends. Why don't you bring them together and uh, do something good for children? Hmm. So I did call all those friends, and they did agree to be on the first board of directors.
2: Okay. Well, that's... Uh, I mean, it's amazing how people sit back so often and think, what can I do? And yet, really, you just, that's what you do. You just make something out of nothing. You know, you you dream it up one day and you make it happen. Well, we need to take a break now. My guest is Tom Tuey. He is the author of Kiss of a Dolphin and the founder of Dreams for Kids. We'll be hearing more of his story and more about dolphins and dreams when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
0: Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Show with Kerry Douglas, broadcast each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Kerry Douglas Show with Kerry Douglas, your premier source for faith based entertainment, news, events, and trends.
5: every Monday at 1 p.m. PST right here on the Voice America channel.
1: VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about Got Inspiration? How a Dolphin's Kiss is Changing the World. My guest is Tom Tuey. He's the author of Kiss of a Dolphin and the founder of Dreams for Kids. And um, why don't you uh, go on with the story of JJ. And my question um, before well, I guess the beginning of the story is how with all of the kids who, by that point, um, you, you founded Dreams for Kids in 1989, you said, and then the story with J.J. starts in 1995. So by that point, you know, you, you have untold numbers of kids vying for your attention with their dreams and their needs. And, and um, uh, how did you, how did J.J. get your attention?
3: Well, one of our directors, uh, specifically, uh, got my attention with a story about JJ, and he literally walked into my office, uh, my law office, and, 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 and uh, he, he had so much intent about him, and he said, and he didn't stop by much. Uh, his name was Herb Kordak. And he, he walked in, and he handed me an article in the newspaper from a suburban newspaper, and he said, you have to read this. And, and that was it. And he said, just read it and let me know and I read a story uh uh about JJ and it described his injury uh as I as I spoke about and then it describes what he did when he got back to his senior year at Loyola Academy outside of Chicago uh where he had transferred uh from from the inner city of Chicago there so it was a difficult transition as a student that lived in the city now was going to a school in the suburbs with affluent uh kids and, and it was a tough transition because he was the outsider
2: well, how did, and this was, this was before or after his injury?
3: This was before, shortly before. So within a year, he was at the school for less than one year. So he was kind of the outsider from another neighborhood and another socioeconomic class. And, uh, and then he became a double outsider, as he said. You know, I was
4: the,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, the paralyzed kid in the wheelchair.
2: And how did he, um, what changed in his life that allowed him to go to this more affluent school?
3: It was his decision he he wanted to have a better chance you know at pursuing his dreams a better environment uh to get away from the influences of the neighborhood and he actually asked his parents to be uh, uh you know in effect uh, uh 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 taken to that school district uh-huh
2: and, you know. so it was it was sort of like a so it was still a public school mhm i i see but he asked it to, to have them sort of arrange that okay
3: arrange it yeah yeah and, uh, yeah, Loyal Academy is, uh, when you say public school, Loyal Academy is a, uh, uh, is a, is univer- a, is a, an academy outside in Wilmette, in Wilmette, Illinois. And it is, uh, there is tuition, and it is not, it would be more private than public. Oh. Like in a Catholic high school.
2: Effect. So I guess what I'm asking, maybe this is an indelicate question, but how did his family, how were they able to afford this, or was he on scholarship?
3: No, not at all. And I, you know, those 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 are things that you know, not knowing him back then and uh-huh. not being as familiar with Loyola because I didn't go there and it's not my my neighborhood. Um, I'd say he, he I, I do know that they they were not and are not a family of means. And I think it was extremely difficult. And I know that his uh, mother worked, uh, and his father worked as well. His father worked nights, and his mother worked days.
2: To put him, you mean to to be able to send him there?
3: And he had five sisters. Hmm. He has five sisters, yeah. Yeah, so Hmm. it was uh, very difficult. But you know how parents, you know, think of it. I know my mother lived her life that way, put their kids first.
2: Yes, yes, I was thinking of the parallel with your family.
3: Absolutely. 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 His mother has the same kind of dedication and his father, the same kind of love uh, that my mother has for us.
2: Uh-huh. Okay. So there he was at this academy, mm-hmm. and he had the injury.
3: Mm-hmm. And then they had, uh, uh, and the article concerned itself with a um, uh, the brothers of the school, again being a Catholic high school, the brothers of the school uh, had, uh, from the religious order, had had created a contest for the entire student body to write a letter uh, directly to a boy in Cambodia who had lost both his legs to a landmine accident. And um, the winner of that contest, uh, who wrote the most encouraging letter, uh, that student would receive a $500 uh, uh, check. And so his mother would say to me later that she never saw him work harder Mm. on a project than that. And he was so meticulous in it. And that letter was printed in the newspaper. And he called it The Rope. And it was all about how, uh, you know, that we all have our own personal mountains to climb. And it was a letter truly that was written directly to the boy saying that he truly understands and appreciates the situation he's in because he, he knew a young boy who was on top of the world and loved sports and played sports every day from the moment he woke up to the, uh, the moment after school till he fell asleep. And his favorite sport was hockey. And he went on to describe how that boy had an accident and became paralyzed. And he says, I know that boy well because I am he. Mm. And then he went on to describe, I realized I, I went through a period of time where I was devastated. My whole life was changed. And, and I felt what would become of me. And then my parents took me to Pike's Peak, of the highest points in North America where you could drive up to the top. And there was a moment in time, he said, when I was on top of Pikes Peak where I sat there and I looked down and I saw the most beautiful vista. And I thought, it's so beautiful and my life is just the opposite. And for a moment, I was so depressed. And I opened my eyes and I realized I saw the same vista in another way because I saw it from top of a beautiful mountain. And I realized, being up there, that I was on top of my mountain and that all of us have an opportunity and have an obligation to climb our own mountains and that when we do, we have a rope that holds us and it will catch us if we fall, but it will never do the climbing for us.
4: Mm.
3: And that rope is our parents and our friends that will always be there for us. And he said, I will climb my mountain and I will continue to climb my personal mountain, and I know I'll reach the top. And he said, I know you will reach the top, too.
4: Wow.
3: And and, and your, your, your rope will be your family and your friends, and I will be part of that rope.
2: I'd say uh, that was <laughs> a shoe-in for the winner, yes. <laughs> yeah, you
3: win. <laughs> wow. So, so I think it was a combination, Dr. Carroll, of that and the fact that, He so much embodied the spirit of what our organization Uh what I believed in, because he took that check and he gave it back and he said, give it to the boy in Cambodia. Wow. Yeah, because he needs it more than I do. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, that's a wow.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so after you read that, um, you contacted him or?
3: I contacted him and and, and, uh, he would say later on, he said, I had no idea why. You know, you would call, and, and I had not heard of Dreams for Kids, and I didn't know why. I said that we'd like to honor you at our golf on and And he was very close to not accepting As a matter of fact, he had determined that he wasn't going to come, you know, that he was going to call back and say I'd rather not. And then his mother said, I think you should. And so he did. And it really would have changed the history of Dreams for Kids had he not. Uh, but when he came, he introduced that entire audience In and then let it shut on the chair. Uh, <laughs> and I thought and he'd lean back and I'll never forget he looked at me and said, "Welcome to my world." Huh. And I don't believe that people are 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 ill-intent when they do that. I think that we move about our day sometimes in a in a fast pace and and I think that sometimes people in in situations such as JJ uh on a day-to-day basis are totally ignored. And he told yes. me he says, "I sit in this chair all day and I look up. He says, but not too many people look down.
2: Yes, yes, wow. You know, I guess what you said before about how he he reminds people, I mean, I guess not somebody on the street just slamming the door in his face, but but certainly people who know his story, um, it's very frightening that to think you know that's something we don't want to think about that our lives could change just like his did in an instant mm-hmm. um and yet and yet it's so very true so i think for people who do know that about him on the one hand they they feel compassionate on the other hand i think there's a tendency to in some people to to just be a little scared and not want to not want to be reminded of that that it could happen to them
3: i think that's a perfect way to put it i mean that's what i've learned I've learned Dr. Carroll over the years that it's fear number one it's fear of what what indeed might might happen to me or what 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 my life might have been and and it's that reminder and it's also uh a lack of understanding, and it's also how we grow up when we're taught not to stare and and so therefore it's all of those that come together in an instant and we walk right by,
2: yeah, it's um. I mean, certainly, uh, just to go back to the opening um, of today's show when I was talking about the bridge in Minneapolis, in one split second, you know, think of all the lives that were changed there and, and as I was saying, really all our lives um, in a sense of of making us think twice when we go over bridges and and metaphorically making us think um, when we cross bridges in our own lives in terms of the transition of going from one safe place to one, to the unknown, really. And when we come back, that's where we're going to go, to the story of what caused your transition, a good transition, <laughs> um, which uh, flows right from um, your relationship with JJ. So um, why don't we go back into that? Um, you've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is the eloquent eloquent Tom Tuey, who is the author of Kiss of a Dolphin and um, the founder of Dreams for Kids. And we'll hear more about the significance of the title of that book, Kiss of a Dolphin, when we come back.
6: you wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood jet set, where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Treveras David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend.
0: The Kerry Douglas Show, with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Kerry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Kerry Douglas Show. Join Kerry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Kerry Douglas Show with Kerry Douglas broadcasts each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Kerry Douglas Show with Kerry Douglas, your premier source for faith based entertainment, news, events, and trends. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And
2: welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Joining me today is Tom Tuey. He is the author of Kiss of a Dolphin. And now we get to um, the part of the story... (laughs) in which you uh talk about how that title and how uh the bridge that you crossed came about.
3: Yes. Um the title came about before the bridge, and I think it had a lot to do with uh building the bridge and crossing it. Mm-hmm. And and it and it is centered around JJ as well, uh because we on one particular day uh, as our relationship grew and he became a strong part of our our organization. Uh, He's still only 21 at this time, so it's been about five years that passed. And, and he said, hey, he was at, Loyal, he was at uh, Lake Forest College. And the Chicago Blackhawks had paid for his college education hmm. because he was a great hockey player when he was younger, a 54-goal scorer. And, and uh, in, in essence, that was taken away from him, but the Blackhawks supported him and put him through school. And, and then he, uh, he called me up one day and he said, hey, you want to go to spring break? That was about twenty years past that, so I, I said no, and, and he said nah, no. Really, I don't really, you know, we're going to Mexico, and, and you know, which didn't encourage me anymore. Yeah. And and uh, he was going with his friend, who ultimately became one of the strongest parts of of Dreams for Kids, who I also wrote about. It. it his name is uh, Dick Merrick. He reached out to JJ when he was fifteen. And he was injured only because they were the same age. It's so rare. He was an able-bodied kid. And he'd just say, we're the same age. His uncle knew him and was visiting J.J. in the hospital. Mm. So they became friends from 15 on, and they became best friends. And he didn't have any pity for him, and he didn't have any other notion other than the fact that we're the same age, maybe we can be friends. And, and it was a great, great, and he ended up, Dick Merrick has that spirit where he ended up working with our organization as a volunteer. And at that point, it, they were both 21, and he was going to spring break with Dick Merrick at Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And uh, he said, you know, Dick's going to need some help because it is a lot to care for somebody that is completely paralyzed. So there's a lot that goes with it, and traveling especially, and traveling to a foreign country. So I said, all right, okay, I'll go. So I kind of picked the hotel, so it wasn't really <laughs> on the strip, but we were close. And we decided... The, uh, Dick and myself got together, and we said, "We're going to make this the best spring break for JJ. We're going to do whatever we can so that he can be just one of the kids. And we're going to do what Dreams for Kids is all about. He's going to be just like everybody else." So we got to the to the resort, and we created situations where he was out on a lawn chair, and you know, and 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 we could take his wheelchair away, and somebody wouldn't perceive that he's any different, and they could strike up a conversation with him, uh, put him in the pool in an inner tube so you could be floating around. Uh, we just did every day. We put, we rented a Jeep, put the wheelchair back in the Jeep, and you know, drove to as many places as we could, went to the open-air bars, did everything that Spring Break's kids did.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: he became, within three or four days, the star of Spring Break. Everybody knew him. Uh, but when he would get to the very first bar the first day, the entire atmosphere went down. Because here comes this Jeep and a or a cab with a wheelchair in the back and now there's a kid our age in it and then all mm. of a sudden everything goes down so it takes a lot to overcome that mm-hmm. and, and uh, one day we uh, I had asked him every day whether he'd like to go uh, parasailing and he said are you crazy? don't I have it bad enough? <laughs> and he said, no I don't think so and uh, that became important later on the second to the last day at spring break I was looking at a brochure and it was a dolphin excursion. And I said, would you like to swim with the dolphins? And he said, yeah. I said, that, that, that sounds interesting. And that was an all-time understatement because we, at that point, decided that day, within an hour, we were going to take this excursion, and we went to a uh, to a facility. And uh, at that facility, they first taught us about dolphins, uh, something neither of any, any of us knew. Not one of us knew anything about dolphins other than what we had read or heard. And they put headsets on us. And we got to listen to the dolphins speaking to one another in the clicking sound. And it was pretty fascinating, but still, I wondered how they knew these things and how they knew them to be true. And how if dolphins were communicating with each other, how would we know what they're communicating about, or even if they are? So we were a little suspect at that point. And then we had an opportunity to be in the pool with the dolphins. And they would interact with us. And they had a certain procedure where we would get in the pool, and we did get in the pool. There were 15 of us on that excursion. And we got in the pool and held J.J. up, Dick and myself, on either side of him by holding on to his arm so that he could stand upright.
4: Mm.
3: And we stood on the far side of the pool And they told us the dolphin would come in the near side and everyone was standing on the perimeter. And the dolphin would sweep the perimeter and instantly assess us with his sonar. And a dolphin has a sonar, which we learned that day, which is four times more powerful than an MRI. It has the ability uh, through sound waves to to discern between a penny and a dime that's buried in sand at the bottom of the ocean. So it is an incredibly complex uh, sonar, much more so than 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 our medical MRI, which allows the dolphin to not only see through us, but to understand us, whether we're fearful, whether we're aggressive, whether we are in some way in distress. And I had heard how dolphins respond to people in distress, so really I was interested in that. But they said a dolphin will do this instantly and understand. And we said, okay. And so the dolphin came in and swept at a rapid pace all the way around the pool and then stopped right in front of J.J. And the first dolphin to come in was the female dolphin. And when she stopped in front of J.J., she was very anxious. And she started to go from the left to the right. And then she got closer to him and she hit his legs with her fin.
4: Mm.
3: They didn't move. And she got even more anxious. And J.J. said to us, take me out of the pool. I don't want to ruin it for everyone else. And that had become what his life was because it was like the bar or a party that if when he came in in his wheelchair, when the atmosphere dropped down, if it didn't come up on its own, then he'd say, let's just go. I don't want to ruin the party. And so he didn't want to ruin it for everybody else. But the trainer didn't hear us speaking he was sitting up in a chair but sensed something and he said you know I think that the dolphin is nervous you know because there's so many people in the pool why don't we bring in the male and her boyfriend will help settle her down it's okay and the male dolphin came in and the trainer said he'll do the same and when he feels comfortable we can interact and he swept the pool and Stopped right in front of JJ, and he didn't move a bit. And I can remember it, Doctor Carroll, like it was yesterday. He was as calm as could be in the water, and he just stared at JJ, hmm. and then he swam to the other end of the pool, where the female was, and they started communicating. It was amazing. And JJ turns us and says, "Who do you think they're talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> He's got this great sense of humor, and of course, everyone in that pool knew. And then the female came on her own to the middle of the pool and just stayed there very calmly. And the trainer said, why don't you bring your friend to the middle of the pool? And then I handed J.J. off to Dick, who held him from behind and brought him to the middle of the pool. And then the female just stayed there and studied him. And then in a moment, rose out of the pool, opened up her fins, leaned in, hugged him, and kissed him. Mm. And he said that that was the most amazing thing that had ever happened to him since he got hurt because it was just what such a metaphor for his life that someone, some dolphin, just like some person, didn't understand him. And another dolphin, just like another person can, helped her to understand. And then she accepted me. And that's the best my life can be.
2: That that's that's an amazing, amazing story. And did the trainer say had this ever happened before?
3: It, no, the trainer wasn't I don't remember that reaction. The trainer was really moved by it and everybody was in that moment. There was something very magical, something very special yes. that happened. And he said that, that they that dolphins do respond to those in distress, but the combination of what had happened uh was something extremely special and and when we left the pool that day, um, and I, we were taking JJ out of the pool, and, and it's difficult to get him from the water back to his wheelchair, and so we were the last ones in the pool, and the dolphins had left. And as we were starting to remove, bring him up from the water, he said, "Look at that!" And the male dolphin came back into the pool and swam right up to us and put his head on JJ's legs. Mm and just stared up at him. Hmm. And he said then, he said, I, I, did, did you see that? He said, I could feel his spirit. It's like he was telling me, you're going to be okay. Hmm. So that day was something special.
2: Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Both for JJ and for you, apparently.
3: Oh, no question. Yeah, no question. Changed, changed my life
2: because at that point you were still working, right? I was. As an attorney, high powered.
3: <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I never called myself that, but I, I certainly had enjoyed success here, and so I, you know, my mother was proud.
2: And um and what when was the moment when you said to yourself things are going to change in my life too?
3: It was more when the story was written, and I was encouraged to do that. And, and it, in the interim, when we came back to Chicago, um, we had uh, had a great experience. right before we left it, and, and uh, next morning I woke up, I said, "Hey Jay, you want to go parasailing now?" Hmm. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That was a, it, it, when we woke up. He opened his eyes and said, "Let's go parasailing."
2: <laughs>
3: and I said, "Oh, you want to go now?" huh? And he did.
2: Huh, really?
3: Amazing. Could you imagine? A quadriplegic in a harness, and he's sitting in his wheelchair in the sand, and he looks at me and he says, this is not a good idea. <laughs> and I said, Jay, it is. It was your idea. which is the best I could muster. And
2: and, and I guess it went okay.
3: It went fantastic. He uh, sailed above the buildings in Puerto Varta, came back, a woman came up and hugged him and said, were you afraid? And he looked down and he said, no. He says, it's scary down here, up there yeah. in Osprey.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hm. All right. Well we do need we're getting a little hint now, the music. Um, we do need to take a break. When we come back, I do want to hear about uh how that experience caused you to change your life and cross your bridge. My guest is Tom Tui. He is the author of Kiss of a Dolphin, the founder of Dreams for Kids. When we come back, we'll hear about how that not only changed J.J.'s life, but his own. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
0: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
5: Whether by choice or by circumstance, the statistics of the effects of missing fathers and the impact on our children, our neighborhoods, and our communities is staggering. How can we interrupt this pattern of violence, gang activity, drug use, and sexual activity among our fatherless children? On Changing a Generation with author, inspirational speaker, life coach, and host Terrence Wilson. The focus is on elevating the mindset of this current generation by unveiling viewpoints that inspire people to reach for their dreams. Terrence and his guests reveal how building family relationships, becoming an entrepreneur, and living a Christian life develops future leaders in the next generation of children. Changing a Generation with Terrence Wilson broadcasts each Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Changing a Generation. Bringing a Message of deliverance to the fatherless on Newstalk Radio VoiceAmerica.com
1: Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guest, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time right here on America's Voice, Voice America.
0: VoiceAmerica.com
1: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And
2: welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, I, I'm sure that story gave you goosebumps and lifted your spirits just as it did mine. My guest today is Tom Toohey. And let's go right back to um, how the experience of uh, a dolphin's kiss caused you to cross a bridge and change your life as well.
3: Well, what happened, Dr. Carroll, is when we returned in Chicago, uh, we created, as an organization, we created a program for uh, kids with disabilities that allowed them to play sports for the first time in their lives. It's everything from the standard basketball, baseball, soccer, to water skiing, snow skiing, kayaking, sailing, uh, it's, a, it's, an, it's an amazing program which has changed kids' lives and their families' lives because it's given them a chance uh, to experience an activity they were long since denied and make new friends. So really what happened with that program is it developed year after year after year over the next six, seven, eight years, and it grew and, and, and uh, it affected me personally uh, in a way where uh, that, that moment in Mexico carrying over to an entirely new program where we are doing what a dolphin, in effect, taught us to do, to unconditionally reach out to others and to accept them. And 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 it was such a powerful experience that carried over for such a long period of time that I told that story uh, to uh, someone at a uh, National Speakers Association. Her name is Sam Horn. Never met her before, but she asked me to about myself. And uh, she started taking notes and I didn't know who she was, but she's very prominent in the book industry. And and she said, uh, when's the book coming out about dreams for kids? And I I said, well, I'm actually not writing one. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: And she said, no, no, you are. Mm -hmm. You're you're writing this book, and you're giving it as a gift to the world. And so what happened was I wrote that book, and and it's The Kiss of a Dolphin, and she said it will change your life, and, and the universe will open up to you and to your organization. And those things happened in a way where I met people in the last year uh, after having read the book and, and they started to encourage me in, in ways that uh, at one given point uh, I had an opportunity that became very uh, real to me and it became very, I was very much aware of it for the first time in my life that I could move from doing something I truly liked and I really truly enjoyed practicing law to doing something full time that I really loved and when you look back at it, it's not much of a choice, moving from what you like to what you love. And I tried to look at it that way, and it took a bit of transition. I had to get past the fear, and I had to get past the uncertainty, and, and I had to get past the finances because I <laughs> went into debt right in the book.
4: Mm-hmm. So there's
3: a lot of things where I could have created that there's a better time to do this. There's a better time to cross this bridge. But I, as we said in the start of the show, that the only time is now, and that the best time to do anything is when your heart tells you and and when you know it is true and i knew that that was my life's passion and i certainly had a pretty good advantage because i had done it for 18 years and uh i've never looked back uh i've never looked back and i i, I so much truly enjoy every single day uh living my life with this type of uh, passion and, and reaching out to kids on a daily basis you know it's just it has been an amazing experience for me.
2: And, I mean, of course, did people in your, did your friends and people you knew, colleagues, tell you you were nuts?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they said don't do it. And and, and I think that anybody that's listening, I think that's the first thing you'll hear from people, and I believe that the reason why you hear that is those that are closest to us uh, feel that they must protect us. And sometimes in protecting us, uh, they don't want us to take those risks, but really, in life, the greatest risks give you the greatest rewards as long as you know it's the right thing for you, and it opens up your life in ways that, and I think they're afraid of change, too, because if you do this, will you be a different person, and yes. will, our, will our relationship change? Yes. And uh, I think that uh, those are valid concerns, but um, everybody is charged with the responsibility of uh Of living the life that they were meant to live,
2: yes, I think also you know there's a lot of envy that goes into it. What do you mean you're gonna um, give up you know uh your ambitions and 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 uh the things that, that we're all supposed to be striving for to to do something that's uh that's not really? For yourself, per se, I mean, that's not uh, not what we think of as the American dream. But to to be, um, to, to which really is, in a way, a deeper American dream, to be doing things that you love and that help other people. Certainly, in today's world, when there is more need for that than ever.
3: I think so. I think that's very eloquently put. Uh, we, you know, oftentimes people project on us too, you know, their own fears and 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 their own uh, inability maybe to make the move that they feel that they should make Uh, or maybe they just regret that they passed up an opportunity where uh, they, they, they should have done something that would empower them in their life. But I think people's lives unfold, as mine did, at the time that it's meant to. And there's certainly enough adversity that all of us go through and that prepares us for the moment in time when we have an opportunity to live our life uh, in a passionate way. Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think people are uh are anxious about that. Uh but it, it's been wonderful.
2: Well, why don't you um well, of course we will give out the uh the website addresses. Um in fact, why don't you do that now and, and uh which is where people one of the places one of the easiest places where people can get the book and also learn more about your organization.
3: Sure. I'd love to. Uh, uh, Kiss of a Dolphin. That's kissofadolphin.com is the website for the book. Uh, the website for Dreams for Kids, where you can also get the book, is Dreams for Kids. It's all one word, F O dot dreams4kids.org. And then we have a toll free number, one eight six six seven two nine five four five four. 729 5454 okay so one of those three ways.
2: Well, I and I really would encourage all of you to do that. There's a lot of information, a lot of um more details about what these organizations actually do. Um, there's a great video <laughs> of your talk from uh, the Maui Writers Conference that um uh also you know, tells tells the story again if you'd like to hear the story again <laughs> and see the visuals at the same time. Go, go for that. But I'll give out the website addresses again: kissofadolphin.com dot com or dreamsforkids the word F O R dreamsforkids org. So I'd like to thank you again for uplifting us, telling us uh, how you crossed your bridge and and uh, it doesn't seem like you're looking back. <laughs> so. I'm
3: only four, Dr. Carol, and thank you so much and all of your listeners for, for tuning in today.
2: Well, you're very welcome. Again, the name of the book is Kiss of a Dolphin. And uh, thank you, Tom Toohey, who, uh who is the founder of Dreams for Kids and an inspiration to all of us. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.